Hello, this is Helga Edwards, and I'm here with my husband, Bob. Today we'll be reading Genesis chapter 13 in the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, beginning at verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him into the Negeb. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. He journeyed on by stages from the Negeb as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them living together, for their possessions were so great that they could not live together, and there was strife between the herders of Abram's livestock and the herders of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites lived in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herders and my herders, for we are kindred. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. Lot looked about him and saw that the plain of the Jordan was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, in the direction of Zor. This was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the plain of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward, thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the plain, and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Raise your eyes now, and look from the place where you are, northward, and southward, and eastward, and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Rise up, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent, and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Here ends our reading of Genesis chapter 13. Before exploring the meaning and significance of this passage, it is necessary once again to highlight the use of androcentric language in Bible translations such as the English Standard Version, King James Version, and New American Standard Bible. In all of these English translations, Genesis 13.13 13 tells us that the men of Sodom were engaged in sinful behavior. While this is true, it is also important to note that the Greek Septuagint version of this passage does not use gender-specific language. In Greek, it is the people of Sodom, anthropoi, that are described as sinful. In Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 to 18, we read about God's promise to bless Abram and his wife Sarai, with descendants that are too numerous to count. God also then promises that these descendants will one day be given the land of Canaan forever. Some students of biblical history take note of the fact that Abram's descendants, the Israelites, did take possession of the land of Canaan after a long period of captivity in Egypt. We will read more about this in Genesis chapter 15. 
They also note, however, that the Israelites were sometimes driven out of the land God promised them during long periods of exile. If God promised Abraham's descendants the land of Canaan forever, how could this possibly happen? To begin, it is important to recognize that God says much more about his promise to Abraham's descendants when he is speaking to the generation of people that were liberated from slavery in Egypt and led to the land of Canaan. To this generation, God said, When my messenger goes in front of you and brings you to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I wipe them out, don't bow down to their gods, worship them, or do what they do. My terrifying reputation will precede you, and I'll throw all the people that you meet into a panic. I'll make all your enemies turn their backs to you. I'll send insect swarms in front of you and drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites before you. Don't make any covenants with them or their gods. Don't allow them to live in your land, or else they will lead you to sin against me. If you worship their gods, it will become a dangerous trap for you. And that's found in Exodus 23, verses 23 to 33. As the story continues in the book of Judges, we find that although God kept his part of the agreement, called a covenant in biblical language, the Israelites did not keep theirs. We read this in Judges chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I promised to your ancestors. I said, I will never break my covenant with you. For your part, do not make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. Tear down their altars. But you have not obeyed my command. See what you have done. So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become adversaries to you, and their gods shall be a snare to you. God did deliver Abraham's descendants from slavery in Egypt, and he did lead them to the promised land of Canaan. He was also ready and willing to drive out the Canaanites, but only if Israel did not begin to worship the Canaanite gods and engage in their evil practices. These practices included a variety of sexual crimes, as well as the sacrifice of children to idols representing the gods and goddesses of the Canaanite people. By the time Manasseh became king of Israel, the practices of the Israelites had become even worse than the practices of the Canaanites who had lived in the land before them. We can read about this in 2 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 to 9. Just as God eventually brought judgment on the people of Canaan, so too did he bring judgment on the people of Israel. In the latter case, he did this by sending them into captivity in Babylon. The people had chosen to engage in violent practices associated with idol worship, so God sent them out of the land he had promised them. God's hope was that as Israel realized what it meant to be enslaved by idolatry, they would turn away from their evil practices and trust in God for deliverance. At the time of the Babylonian exile, the prophet Jeremiah foretold that this is exactly what would eventually happen. Listen to the Lord's word, you nations, and announce it to the distant islands. The one who scattered Israel will gather them and keep them safe as a shepherd his flock. The Lord will rescue the people of Jacob and deliver them 
from the power of those stronger than they are. They will come shouting for joy on the hills of Zion, jubilant over the Lord's gifts. Grain, wine, oil, flocks and herds, their lives will be like a lush garden. They will grieve no more. Then the young women will dance for joy. The young and old men will join in. I will turn their mourning into laughter and their sadness into joy. I will comfort them. I will lavish the priests with abundance and shower my people with my gifts, declares the Lord. The Lord proclaims, A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and wailing. It's Rachel crying for her children. She refuses to be consoled because her children are no more. The Lord proclaims, Keep your voice from crying and your eyes from weeping, because your endurance will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return from the land of their enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord. Your children will return home. I hear, yes, I hear Ephraim lamenting. You discipline me, and I learned my lesson. Even though I was as stubborn as a mule, bring me back, let me return, because you are the Lord my God. We find that in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 10 through 18. God did make a promise to Abram. He also made an agreement with Abram and Sarai's descendants. While God had a part to play in honoring this agreement, so too did the people. Their part was to trust and follow God and to abstain from the idol worship and violence of the people that preceded them. When they did not honor their part of the agreement, things did not go well for them. Even so, God was willing to forgive and restore them, if only they would turn from doing what they knew was wrong and trust in God to deliver them. These same principles are still relevant today for followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross to take away our sins. We enjoy the benefits of what Jesus did for us when we choose to turn away from what we know is wrong and choose to trust and follow him with the help of the Holy Spirit. <laughs>